What do you keep struggling with that you cannot put down? A problem that nags at you, but you haven't been able to solve. Maybe an opportunity that's so, so big. It feels like a mountain in front of you, a giant mountain, and you don't know how to climb it. Well, I just read a book about that very thing. I got some amazing insight I cannot wait to share with you today. And it's going to come with a challenge, a field trip. We're going to get outside together. Let's do it. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. I hope things are well for you. Things are going good here. It is awfully snowy in Reno, Nevada. We had we had a lot of snowstorms. Actually, on New Year's Eve, um, we had a big snowstorm and it knocked out our power that night and we didn't return. Uh, we didn't get power back till the next morning. We tried to convince our kids that we were camping They weren't buying it though. We like lit all the candles and it's going to be fun. It's going to, no, they're like, yeah, you need to sleep out here with us because we're scared. So um, it ended up turning into quite a sleepover, but it was fun. And I just returned from a trip to Dallas, which it's always nice. I love when it's really cold at home and there's lots of snow and then you travel to somewhere that's warm, it makes you appreciate the sun so much. I kept walking outside in Dallas and just staring up at the sky like a probably crazy person, but I was like, the vitamin D, it feels so good. Um, we were doing our, our annual planning for Pivot Me, casting our vision for 2023. It was amazing. Oh, we've got such big plans. We planned out our next live virtual event. Actually, if you haven't been to one, you need to like right now go sign up for the next virtual event. Again, they're free. They're virtual. It's a Zoom call. We can actually meet on the Zoom call. Like we can talk. We can talk about what's what's going on with you. What's going on with your business. Um, we've got a framework that we work through, but it is amazing. It's not a big old webinar. Like it's just a few of us on a Zoom call talking through. I've committed to doing a few of these for a bit just because the impact is huge. Like you're really turning people around. It also gives you some insight of what it's like inside the Pivot Me Mastermind. So if you haven't got a ticket yet, you should absolutely do that. Um, We probably put it in the show notes, but just in case, pivot-me.com backslash event. So while in Dallas, we planned out our next live event. It's awesome. We ate. We ate a lot. It was amazing. We went to gosh, it was probably the best Japanese food I've ever had in downtown Dallas. It was Un- unbelievable. I took one bite of the dessert and I and I, I looked across the table. I said, this is probably the best dessert I've ever had in my entire life. Fried milk balls. You didn't know that your life is missing fried milk balls, but it is. You just got to trust me on this. Um, I don't remember the name, but so good. There's some people that are listening right now yelling out the name, but it's just, they're like, there's only one place to get fried milk balls, like the best fried milk balls. And it's in downtown Dallas and it's called, no. Still don't have it. Okay, and we're we're recording. We're in the recording booth. We cannot Google these things. So, all right. While I was in Dallas, and I went for this long walk, as I always do when I'm traveling, 
It's my habit. Every trip, long walks, see the sights. Don't actually interact with the sights. I just like to be an observer. I have done this for years. I walk all over the world. I can remember when I was in my, my actually in my early 20s, I was recruited from um, Wells Fargo to Chase Manhattan. And I was a fresh-faced kid at the time. I went to training in San Francisco. And one night we got out a little bit early. So I, I literally walked out of the doors at Chase and just started walking. And I remember I walked for four hours. And in San Francisco, you can cover quite a, we'll say, varied landscape in that time. But I loved every minute of it. Even when it started raining, I kept walking. Though, actually, it was kind of problematic because I didn't plan on walking that night. I just planned on going to work and then going back. And since I started walking straight from work, I was still in my work clothes. And those were like the days of the those were my days of the gray pantsuit, black or gray pantsuit. It's all I owned. Um, and so that's what I was wearing when I was walking in the rain downtown. Uh, my sister who um, does not own either of those th- things, a gray or a black pantsuit. She's a very colorful dresser. She often wears like this cross between like Cindy Lauper and Morticia. And recently, actually my, my sister did a photo shoot with her dog. She has two great Danes. <laughs> She did the photo shoot. She looks amazing. And her husband looks at the photos and goes, you look like an old Victorian prostitute. And she replied, exactly. So when my sister would see my collections of gray pantsuits, she'd often ask me, why do you always dress like Hillary Clinton? She has a way with words. Um, So I did my, I did my Dallas walk much shorter than my San Francisco walk in my twenties, but I did this Dallas walk um, after finishing a new book and it ties into walking. I recently read the book, The 12-Hour Walk by Colin O'Brady, the American adventurer, though he wasn't always an adventurer. He actually had this terrible accident in his 20s. He did something really stupid. You got to read the book. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but he had this accident in Thailand and, you know, was told he wasn't going to be able to walk or at least not be able to walk well. Um, And then through this just series of events, he decides to really test himself physically. He's like, no, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk fine. In fact, I'm going to compete in a triathlon next year. And everybody's looking at him going, are you, are you kidding? Like, it's that's such a far cry from where you are right now. But this accident ends up being this catalyst for this man to live the fullest, the fullest life possible. These this amazing adventures come after the triathlon. He competes, he does it. And he starts to really test himself physically, like, uh, you know, things like summoning Everest, K2, solo human-powered trek across Antarctica. He even rose the Drake Passage. Is he a rower? No. But he just decides, hey, this is the next impossible thing I'm about to make possible. Not only does he overcome the world's tallest mountain, he just he just crushes it. He crushes Everest. He crushes all of these things he tackles and he starts to realize the power of of challenging himself, but also the power of uninterrupted time, of big chunks of time taken out of your day that are just focused. There's more context. You should definitely read the book. But he ends up by doing the simplest challenge when an expedition gets delayed. He does a 12-hour walk. That's it, right outside his front door. But here's the catch. No interruptions. No external inputs. No no music, no podcasts, no audiobooks, no texts, no emails, nothing to distract him, nothing to point his focus or attention elsewhere. And it is life-changing. 
the author starts challenging people to do this. He's like, okay, not everybody's going to climb Everest. Not everybody's going to, you know, row the Drake Passage. But people, people can do a 12-hour walk. They can start anywhere and get these amazing results that he was getting from walking. Distance does not matter. The 12-hour walk may only cover a mile. That doesn't matter, but it's the time, the 12 hours that matters most. And I loved this idea, the idea of taking a big chunk of time and just investing it in you, in walking. So what do I do? I get inspired. And what happens next? I bring it to the mastermind. I bring it to the Pivot Me Academy. So I presented this challenge to them, which was hilarious. So they they were excited, skeptical. You know, when you're on the Zoom call and you're looking at people's faces and they're kind of like looking at you going, April, are we really going to do this? Hell yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do a 12-hour walk because it's not just about the walking. The author found that during the 12 hours, he solved some big problems that you could tackle even your biggest struggle. He calls it your Everest in just 12 uninterrupted hours. Like, And again, we're not physically challenging ourselves other than just keep moving for these 12 hours. So after the mastermind team got out of the shock of April challenging them to walk 12 hours, we started to talk about what our Everest was. Like if we were going to set out for 12 hours of uninterrupted time, what's what's the big mountain that we want to climb in our head? Like where do we go? What do we need to solve? I mean, really think about it. 12 hours, we could solve a lot. We could put some things to rest. We could grow some things. We could expand some things. We could end some things. Lots of things can happen with 12 uninterrupted hours. And this idea, this long walk, my client, Lauren, pointed out, hey, there's this historical precedent for this. Long walks, pilgrimages, the Camino de Santiago in Spain. Some people walk to solve their problems. Some people do it to be closer to God. Others to ask for forgiveness. In history, people have walked for a lot of reasons. And we're about to find out what your Everest is. Because the best part was when I asked each of the people on the mastermind call that day, all right, guys, so let's let's think about this 12-hour walk. Let's think about what you would think about for 12 hours without any external input because nobody does this. Like nobody spent, I mean, like it's a struggle to do 10 minutes of meditation on a, you know, every morning. Certainly we don't do 12 hours without external inputs. But when I asked them, hey, what's the thing that you could ruminate on? Hopefully solve, hopefully get clarity on what is your Everest? They came up with a lot. They came up with a lot of things that they would climb in that 12 hours. I'm going to give it to you. And again, these are real people. These are real people with real lives and real situations. Here's some of what I heard. My relationship with my brother. My financial picture. I've always wanted to be rich, but I've always spent all the money I made. My guilt over a poor decision. My desire to be an author, but not writing every single day. My childhood. My PTSD the next step to take for my company because I'm just not really sure and I don't know how to find the answer. I heard, what do I do after I sell my company? This has been my entire identity. Do I buy another company? Do I retire? I heard, how do I make peace with the past? How do I understand how to make the most impact, the biggest difference in my time on this earth? Man, there were some good efforts that I've heard. I mean, imagine solving these kinds of things Climbing your Everest in one walk. No money, just time. Because guys, the truth is we buy books to solve these things. We take trips to solve these things. We invest massive amounts of energy, time, 
and money, lots of money into trying to solve these things. But a lot of times we are just walking around these things. I brought it back to rocking. There it is. Um, We are really not addressing the thing. We're kind of working our way around the thing, but most problems are best solved going right through the center of them. So here's what we did. We took this idea of the 12 hour walk and we wanted to add a framework. We wanted to lay over the framework that makes it the most beneficial. So I'm going to give you six steps to incorporate mindset work. And then I'll tell you something after that might make you want to throw the whole framework out the window. You're going to choose. Hey, Pivoter, I see you taking notes. I see you applying things into your business and life. Great work. But what if you could do it on a Zoom call with me? Well, here is your invite. I am hosting a free live event on Zoom where I get to know you, your challenges, and help you work through them as we accelerate your growth together. This is a free virtual event, and I'd love for you to join. Hop over to pivot-me.com backslash event and save your spot now. We'll keep these small. They will fill up. I'd love for you to be there. Again, it's pivot-me.com backslash event. We'll also put the link in the show notes and I'll see you there. Okay. So let's talk about the framework. So again, we're talking about a 12 hour walk and we're going to think about what your Everest is. So the first part is just what, what's your Everest? I mean, I gave you some examples that were in the mastermind, but what is the thing that you'd like clarity on to solve, to overcome, to make peace with, to grow? Here are some questions that might help you get clarity. Um, make a list of several possibilities. So you might already know your Everest, but I always tell people, you know, brainstorm this first. Like just do, just do a, like a brain dump. Don't self-edit up front. Cause you're like, is it this? Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's that important. Write it all down, do the brain dump, and then pick through the ideas and you'll land on the best one. It's much better than self-editing. So, you know, based off what we were talking about earlier, we heard my relationship with my brother, my finances, my failed business, how to create the most impact, be an author, then explore which one is the Everest you want to work on during your walk. So number one is finding out what your Everest is, the Everest that you want to climb. Number two, answer this question. What is my Everest costing me? Not climbing your Everest is costing you something. It might be, I don't interact with this person anymore. Maybe it's, it's costing me my peace. I feel insecure. I'm not giving my greatest to the world. I don't impact people the way that I could. I've unresolved grief. I could be more present or happier. These are all just examples of stuff. Understanding, here's the thing. You got to understand the cost of doing something or not doing something. It's an important tool to get leverage on yourself. If you say, ah, it's not that bad, you don't get leverage. You don't create action. I want you to put into words, Everest is costing me something. And this is it. These are the things that I am paying because of this Everest. This part is important. One of our teammates to get leverage on himself, he said, here's the thing. My Everest is my health. I don't take care of my diabetes well. It is a problem. So when he talks about what it's costing him, it could be costing him time with his family. Because ultimately, if left unchecked, it's going to shorten his life. That's okay to look at. Like you got to get leverage on yourself. Saying it's not that bad doesn't create action. Number three. What would I need to start doing to climb my Everest? There is some kind of action, some kind of belief system. If I want a better relationship with my brother, I'm going to need to reach out to him. I might need to pre-forgive him for something before I do that. You got to make amends. If my Everest is finally writing the damn book, I need to start by setting aside 30 minutes each morning to get my word count in. Ask yourself, all right, if I'm going to climb this Everest, 
What do I need to start doing? Number four, just as important as what you need to start doing is what do you need to stop doing? What would I need to stop doing to climb my Everest? It might be, hey, if I'm going to be writing 30 minutes each morning, I need to stop scrolling Instagram the night before because then I go to bed late and I don't wake up as early. If you want something new, you will need to stop something old. It might simply be a belief that you need to stop believing. For example, if you want a better relationship with your brother, you might need to stop in the cycle of like, well, but he was wrong back then. So many years ago, he was wrong. That's what I was talking about, pre-forgiving. Like if you stay in that loop of like, well, but this thing that happened before, you know, I was right, he was wrong. Great. But is that meaning that you don't have a relationship with someone that you really want to? I'm not saying let someone bully you or take advantage of you, but you got to get curious about the beliefs that are keeping you stuck in habits or a life that isn't serving you. Number five, what negative associations do I believe about my Everest? There's something that you believe about that Everest. Even if you want it so, so, so very bad, there's something, you got some kind of negative association with that. And so you got to get curious about that. So it could look like, for example, that being a millionaire isn't available for someone like me. That's the phrase that we use. Someone like me, man, that's so powerful. You got to be really, really careful when you start to believe that something is not available to someone like you. So someone like me doesn't, it could be around being a millionaire, but it could be all all sorts of reasons why. You might say, I can't have my Everest because of my background, my upbringing, my education or lack of. Someone with a speech challenge, someone who's neurodivergent, a woman, a Pacific Islander, it doesn't matter. We've got a negative association. So we got to get curious about those negative associations that are standing in the way of us summiting our own Everest. We all have them. That I need to keep, you know, here's one is I, I, I heard a couple people say this, that I need to keep the guilt close so that I don't forget the lesson. When a when business went sideways, um, the one guy said, well, I have a hard time creating a new business because I just keep coming back to the guilt I felt and how much money my partner lost. Some of the negative associations we heard was that I'll lose people in my life if I become too famous. Their Everest was to be famous, to be on huge global stages and yet... I had a negative belief about it. I'm going to lose people that I care about. Another I heard is, hey, if I grow even even bigger business, I'm going to screw it up. That my brother never loved me. Why try and foster a relationship with him that I'm not worthy of success? Ding, ding, that comes up all the time. But you've got a negative association about your Everest too. All right, let's do number six. What would I need to believe to climb my Everest? So we're, we crushed some old beliefs. Now we got to select some new beliefs. We can't just go in and kind of crush the old ones. We've got to replace them with more empowering beliefs. Oftentimes you, you can just flip your negative association around to a positive beliefs. So I would need to believe that I have enough education to write that book, that I am worthy of success, that I speak perfectly well to be a keynote speaker, that I am deserving of love, that there is just the right partner out there for me and she is worth the wait. You've got to create a belief that supports you climbing Everest. So this is this cool framework, right? Right, there's six steps. It's amazing. We love steps. A lot of Pivot Me Academy people, we're, we're framework people, right? We like numbers. We like steps. We like office supplies. We like to, to use them to write out numbers and steps. However, some beautiful souls won't be caged in. Some beautiful souls, part of the Pivot Me Academy, they want freedom on their 12-hour walk. So when I presented this to the Academy and I presented these six steps, Lauren looked at me and simply said, I just want to ask one question. 
And this is really powerful. You ready for it? So she said, I just want to ask one question during my 12-hour walk. I want to ask, what do I need to look at differently? Man, what a great question. Like Lauren has a way with words. You'll, you'll be seeing her on stages very soon. But that question was absolute fire. Not only is it a brilliant question, but I love the humility in asking it. It's saying, maybe I'm looking at something the wrong way. Show me the better way to look at it. I just thought that was such a great question. But not to be outdone, Christopher jumps in and says, I want an open slate. I want to walk with God and ask him. This was his question. You ready for it? He said, I want to ask, what do I need to know? I've got 12 hours to listen. So why do I create six steps when I work with geniuses like this? They just toss them all out. Um, So whether you like the six steps or whether you want an open slate, like I know that the answers will come just like they did for the author Colin O'Brady. So I ask you, Pivoter, I, I wish I knew your name. I wish I knew your name. It's uh, it's like a Steve. Who, who's our listeners out there? Is it Steve's? Is it Sarah's? Um, a Maria? I hope it's not Bob. Not that there's anything wrong with Bob. But I also use Bob from accounting as like the antagonist in my content a lot. So if you've heard me speak live, I always talk about Bob. So if your name is Bob and you bristle every time I say, Bob, I'm sorry. Send me a message, Bob. I'll switch it. I won't use Bob anymore. I'll switch it to like a, a, a berry as my antagonist. I um I have an uncle named Barry and actually, yeah, that, that checks out. So yeah, I can switch it. Um, I'm going to love. Team, tell me if we get a message from a, a, someone named Bob. All right, let's recap this. Let's get the train on the tracks. I want you to consider a 12-hour uninterrupted walk inspired by Colin O'Brady's book. Get the book, get inspired, but think about What's your Everest? What is something, was it something I already mentioned? I hope that it it, it, it spurred something and you were like, oh yeah, that's, that's it or a version of it or, or that's the beginning of it. Lauren, I mentioned earlier, said I couldn't commit to the 12 hours yet, but I did commit to a one hour walk without my cell phone. And again, she, she immediately executed on this challenge and she said, okay, I'm going to do it for one hour without my cell phone. And I was surprised that after so little time, I solved a major client problem in record time. It was plain as the nose on my face. And that's just in one hour. That's in one twelfth of the challenge. What could you solve in 12 hours? What Everest could you climb? What could you learn from yourself in just 12 hours? Maybe you just ask the question, what do I need to know? I've got 12 hours to listen. Thanks for joining us today. And I'll see you out there. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, Give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at TheAprilGarcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors, and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.